0: Welcome to the Anxiety Slayer series. Our mission is to assist you with creating more peace and tranquility in your life through anxiety release exercises and supportive tools created to slay your anxiety. Welcome to Anxiety Slayer. I'm Shan VanderLeek and to celebrate our landmark 300th episode, we have a supportive and wonderful interview to share with you today. I have the honor of connecting with my friend Navjit Kandola to discuss her near-death experience and how she's learned to overcome the post-traumatic stress that she dealt with afterward. Navjit is a spiritual advisor, educator, speaker, and filmmaker. She is the director of the Nizoni School for Global Consciousness and a full-time mom. Navjit works with individuals and groups, helping them rebirth and renew their sense of self-worth and self-confidence to create flourishing lives and livelihood. Welcome, Navjeed.
1: Thank you, Shan. How lovely to be here with you on your 300th episode.
0: Isn't it exciting? I mean, it really is yeah. exciting for us.
1: It's, yeah. an, it's an accomplishment. Yeah, thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you. Yeah. And, it's,
0: and it's great to have you here be, as we resurrect our interview series and bring more beautiful souls forward that can help our listeners and give them Uh, you know a different perspective on the different subject matters that uh, that we discuss
1: thank you for inviting me because i feel that the experiences that i had one of the gifts is to be able to share the insights i was able to gain through the through the challenges and the difficulties and if, if these experiences can help somebody else then it will have been worth the experience
0: Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, let's, yeah. let's begin with you telling us about the traumatic event that changed your life and how that led to your yeah. experience with post-traumatic stress.
1: Hmm. Well, the work that I do, um, with, in, with Tender Logic and my session work is what usually what is, I work with people who have gone through trauma, um, all kinds of trauma, whether that's through injury or death of a loved one or abuse of some kind, and so I was very well versed in the experience with, with through the clients, but I'd never actually had something traumatic in that way happen to me personally. So what was fascinating is is the I didn't realize the breakdown that happens on a cellular level and the emotional level. So what happened um, in my journey was that I was on a holiday to celebrate my 40th and my husband's 40th in the Bahamas with our um, to, about to turn two-year-old son who's going about to two. And um, my son and I are standing on the beach. He's in his diaper. It's evening time. The sun is setting and there's a full moon behind us. My, my husband was snorkeling, my mother-in-law was snorkeling, and I'm standing on the beach, and my son is beginning to get fussy, so we're about to go in, and then I felt or heard something, and I turned around, and behind me was this ball of fire coming at us, and within seconds it passed over us and burnt us, and the ball of fire was a small plane hitting electrical wires about 50 feet away from us and as it flew over us um, the burning jet fuel is what burned both my son
0: and me. Oh my goodness.
1: Yeah and that in me there was no chance for me to say oh there's something dangerous coming let me run I saw it and I was burnt. There was no time for me to, to save us or do something and um, so from seeing it to, to being burned and being in this agony and dying, uh, and then coming back because I had a son who was screaming in my arms still, it was a very intense experience.
0: Oh my goodness. How, how long has it been? Yeah. How long has it been since this happened now?
1: This, this was in 2010, May 2010 so we're coming to uh, the anniversary, 6th anniversary it's May 25th and it's always an interesting day May 25th because you know it's like so much has happened and I'm so much better, I've healed my son is thriving, it's all good but that day that moment there's like a little bit of a flicker of anxiety between a life that I was heading towards and this sharp detour that it took on that day, it's it's, it's an interesting place for me to witness, and so usually on that day, which is the 25th, I I take pause, and I'm grateful, and I also, um, I honor the loss that also happened on that day for me. Uh. I don't want to stay stuck in it, but I also honor that, yeah, you know what, something did happen to me that I didn't like very much, and I honor that part. I honor that part that was killed or um, you know, that, that my life got got very changed in, in those moments. So there's, there's, a, there's an honoring of both, the right. gratitude and the feeling of, yeah, life life did shake a different turn. And it was very difficult, and now we're coming out of it. But to kind of honor all those parts of the journey is really important for me.
0: And so healthy.
1: Yeah, I hope. Well, <laughs> I hope yeah. Not, yeah. Right. Well... <laughs> but, But it's, you know, it's what what I, I know this, that over time, that part, that feels that got, you know, that loss is going, it's getting less and that's important for me to recognize that time does heal something because other parts begin to grow and thrive and so our attention is moved in that direction but whilst it's not fully in that direction, I'm aware of this other part. And, and you know, when I say the cost is, for instance, things like that my brain is changed, that I can't wear, uh, I have to wear long sleeve and, and, you know, I have to be fully clothed all the time because of the scars and the, and the scar tissue, I can't expose it to the, to the sunlight. All of these kind of little shifts that I've had to make that every day I'm aware of my scars every day. I'm aware of them because I see them on my son. His body is scarred. It doesn't limit him, and we're very grateful for that, but it's there, it's a visual of, oh yeah, that happened. Right. And so so I'm very hopeful. I think in the future that technology uh, advancements are going to give us our actual skin back. It will replace the scar tissue, but it'll be in time. And when that time comes, I'll be happy, but I'm also happy right now because this is what it feels like to live with scars. And the limitations I feel, can be opportunities to see the world through a different lens that I wouldn't normally have had the uh, privilege of doing. Mm. So it's like, oh, I got detoured, but I get to see, oh, wow, this is what it feels like to have breakdown. Right. You know, daily breakdown. Oh, wow, this is what people talk about when they say, you know, they can't get up in the morning, <laughs> right? You know, they don't have, they can't face the day. They don't, they don't feel that capacity in their brain to overcome the depression or the anxiety. And so, kind of having the tools on the one side and then actually the symptoms on the other side was really fascinating for me to to kind of marry and see how well I did or where I failed or where I just didn't even make the effort
0: so your your own training and experience professionally yeah really supported you in one way through this yes. this experience and and then what, what what happened after may 25th and how have you healed and recovered and and gotten beyond as much as you can the post traumatic stress of something that crazy happening
1: yeah well the first you know the first 10 days were just literally about getting off the island you know so that we could leave the bahamas and come back to the mainland and, and so it was a, there were many questions about what the doctors were saying, what I thought I needed, what I thought my son needed, what my husband was saying, what my family was saying. So there's a lot of things to navigate. And one of the thoughts that I had was that when you're in such a situation where you, you have the, the qualification of being the one who's injured, who's the victim, that everything should be easy and fluid for you. But it, I noticed that actually I still have to make a lot of very profound decisions about my own well-being and what, and listen to the doctors and still stand up for myself. And so that was very eye-opening about how, on top of things, I kind of still needed to be in order to get myself to a place where I felt like I could relax and, and feel like I was safe. And so one of the things the doctors were saying to me was that they felt that I needed to have skin grafts straight away, and I just didn't feel comfortable number one, and number two, I didn't feel I had the physical strength to have the skin graft right then and there, and number three, I felt like my son needed me more than I needed to go ahead and get my skin graft because getting the skin graft may have meant, well, it would have meant taking skin off the areas that wasn't burnt to cover the areas that were burnt, and that basically would have meant that I was bandaged head to toe, and sometimes, depending on on the level of damage, they do put you in, they induce a coma because it's too too painful to, sure. to do all the, the bandage changes and everything. So I wasn't really ready for that kind of a journey. And I knew that I knew what, what was happening. I knew that I'd been burned. I was in the situation but my two-year-old who was bandaged head to toe on morphine away from us didn't know that. And I felt it was really important that I be with him. Uh So my decision was to put off the skin graft and try other methods like um, pig skin we tried. We tried synthetic skin as alternatives before I would finally have to go into surgery to do it, which was three months later. But those three months gave me time to be with my son, which was more important to me to kind of get him back in his body and get his brain to see that he was safe
0: right right and so
1: there were those kind of like really hardcore decisions yeah that I is to make. <laughs> right and it's yeah and it's not easy it's not like okay the accident happened, so now it's easy like you get the surgery all the decisions are going to be easy no it was every day there were very intense decisions to make and every day I had to deal with and this is where my own uh Work had to kind of step in, which is that like every day, you know, when there's a bandage change, the biggest fear of burns is that you will get infections. Right. And that's what usually kills people with burns is infections. And so every day, I, I had, we had a nurse come because we decided that it was better for us, for me, instead of being in hospital, to have the nurse come to our home, where, where my body knows the germs, it knows the environment, I would feel safe. So we, we hired a nurse to come. It was going to be cheaper to do it that way. So we hired a nurse and the nurse who came, she was treating somebody who had um who was treating somebody with flesh eating bacteria. oh So every day I would wonder could a little bit of that bacteria be on her uniform?
0: Oh my gosh. And it
1: can somehow get onto me and then they're gonna have to cut out a big chunk of me or is it could she have MRSA? Could she have this right. so it was it was it was so I had to overcome those kinds of fears and anxieties and at the same time deal with the, the bandage changes, which took, you know, four hours every day. My son had to have the bandage changes, he had them first, then I would, and, you know, it, it was, it, so every day was like a, a very arduous, mentally to process and be prepared for, because when some when you have an accident they kind of hit you and you feel like you're gonna be done, but with this kind of thing, I didn't realize The daily grind and the daily having to rise up and meet those challenges was very, very exhausting. And that's what began to break down my stamina and my sense of hopefulness and my sense of connection to people and uh, being positive was the, the level of how I had to go so deep into myself and had to dissociate so intensely from my body in order to deal with the pain Sure. that I, I didn't feel I was in the same world as everybody else.
0: I can totally understand that. You weren't.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no. And so, so, you know, for about a year, I really didn't see anybody other than the people who were helping me to, you know, who helping to bring the, do the help with the bandage changes or... You know, my sister or my mother who came to help take care of our son. Those are the only people. I didn't talk to people on the phone. I didn't talk to people. I didn't do Facebook. I just stayed away because I only had a little bit of energy. Right. And that little bit of energy was for my son. That was it. Because he was in the same boat and he needed his mama to be awake and bright and seeing him. And that's what I had energy for. And that was it. And those were my decisions. I'm not saying that everybody will make the same decision. Somebody else would choose to do the skin grafts, and so then they could be healed and be able to be with their children more. I don't know. And that's the kind of path when you have trauma is that each one of us is going to take a different journey and figure out different coping mechanisms and have different support systems to help us to go through that. It's, and, and then once you've gone, gone through that, as you were talking about is you know what do you do to uh, to heal more when do you begin to heal more one stage is healing and then the second stage is heal more heal deeper heal deeper from things that were already maybe present before the trauma attitudes behaviors self-esteem stuff that was already in existence that then gets blown up even more because this trauma is hitting you does that make sense
0: it does it absolutely does
1: and that's what was so fascinating was like some of the themes that I was dealing with were little mini themes before and now they were blooming you know sense of failure sense of self-doubt they were in full bloom and that was that was interesting to see. like okay so now now Here's another opportunity to really go underneath all of these things and see who am I? Because my sense of identity, my sense of self is was getting vaporized daily. And so how do you rebuild that? And I think that's one of the one of the key components in trauma is that sense of dissolved sense of self. Sure. Who am I? Because it trauma, whether it's abuse or injury or accident or death, it, it just blows that up. And so how do you recreate you? How, who do you re- recreate? Where does that happen? It's not an intellectual exercise. It's more of a, I think it's, for me, I can only speak for me in this regard at this point, And that is that it really touches on some of our ideas of who we think I am, what is I, and it takes us all the way to the point where it touches into the unmanifest, where we are nothing but energy, and out of energy we become something, and that passage between nothing and something is where a lot of people who experience trauma end up being. I just... What is it? What is I'm, the point of life? Who am I? Why right, am I? Right, sure. This? What are these relationships? I can't feel them because that, that center, that core has been burnt out. That right. trust is destroyed in life, in relationships, in people, in in purpose. So so that, that core, that's what you're left with is that like that sense of like why? Who am I? What is this about? Why should I do anything? And so it's like learning to regrow uh, pathways in that in that place and that is just purely by choice
0: and that's what you've been doing for the last yes f- five years, years or <laughs> six years Yeah, six yeah. years since yeah. the yeah and and so yeah. can share with our listeners some of the some of the tools techniques some of the things that worked for you through mm-hmm. your recovery process that helped you recreate Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yourself Mm -hmm. and and on the other side
1: well I think one of the things that really is helpful is breath work we you just mentioned it before we got on this call um, recording this is really breath makes a huge difference because breath is has the capacity to go from the visible into the invisible it is a pathway and breath by its very nature, brings oxygen into the body, into the blood. Once the blood is oxygenated, we feel positive, we feel safer because the the blood is moving into the extremities, so breath is huge. But here's what I found, that when after the accident, I couldn't do deep breathing because it would trigger the fight or flight in me. Mm. And so a lot of people who have trauma may not be able to do the deep breathing or any kind of breathing or yoga because becoming still takes them into trauma because trauma there's a dissociation that happens there's a um a dying feeling a sinking feeling and so anytime you do anything stilling, like relaxing or yoga or breathing exercise or tai chi it's the same part of the world in, in terms of your consciousness so that was something that i also learned I was like, wow so that's triggering and that so,
0: allowed you to explore yes. even deeper to find out right. and, and better understand that trigger exactly.
1: and how you could work yes. with that. Okay. So so breath wasn't necessarily the first step to go to. So I did a little bit of the breathing, but just very gentle, not deep, not deep breathing, just calming breath. That's what I would call it, just calming breath. But the thing that really helped me was I would just tap on my thymus. You know how people do the tapping? ESP? Oh, absolutely. I think, that's really, I think that tapping is really very powerful. So I would just tap on my thymus. And the other then I would tap on my shoulders, my body parts, and just beginning to bring the blood into the periphery of our body from the core vital organs, which is where you are in survival. You know, try to right, fight. Right. all the blood goes to the core. So tapping just different parts of my body really helped to bring me in without having to do the breathing because the breathing was a trigger. So I would just tap my body, you know, tap my legs, tap my arms, that the, the unburnt bits, and just allow the blood to go to these places. So that was very, very helpful. Another thing that was very helpful was um, doing – exercises in consciousness, which is the work that I do, which is basically asking in the experience, okay, where am I holding, for instance, if I were going to go to see the doctor and I'd be afraid that he's going to tell me it's not working, this skin graft that we've tried, it's not working, blah, blah, blah. So I would say to myself, okay, where in my body am I holding that fear that it's not going to work? Okay, it's in my stomach, what color does it need? And then I would imagine that color coming into my stomach, washing and releasing that fear. And I would do these exercises as many times as I needed to, as, as many times as the fears would come up. And, and really beginning to um, relax my spine, looking to see if I'm squeezing. Uh. And oftentimes I found that when I was in dissociated states that I wasn't squeezing. I just wasn't even in my body. Right. And so, so how do I get myself back into body? Oh, but why would I want to get myself back into body? It's, it's full of pain right now. So those were interesting experiences. So the thing that I also found helpful was, you know, putting um, cold water on me would help to bring me back a little bit and remind me. Especially when when my my body was healed and my feet, the skin on my feet was healed, I would just pour cold water on it. And there's something about the cold that re-energizes. Again, it brings the blood to the periphery, and it makes us feel safe. It's all about where the blood is in some ways. You know, if it's focusing in the core, then we're in fight or flight. If somehow through love, tenderness, awareness, we can bring the blood to the peripheries, the body will relax. And that was the biggest, biggest um, learning that I would say I've had through that experience is, How can we make the blood go to the periphery of the body? How can we get the body to feel safe?
0: And since that time, how have you been able to help your body feel even safer?
1: Um, I've done tapping, which has been fantastic. I will do rounds of tapping. I, um, I like to sit outside in the hammock and let the tree, the wind sway the hammock, that feels really nice. I have, and this is particular to me, decisions, making decisions uh, became very triggering for me because I can make so many decisions every day, so I'm aware of that. One thing is that I become aware of the things that trigger me as much as I can, and then I will either, you know, do some tapping, or I will um, just sit down and do some Some breathing exercises. Now I can do the breathing exercises. And, you know, the other thing is I've just been really, I've had to be very patient. I had to learn to become patient and not be this racehorse through recovery and realize this is not a movie in which I, you know, I can feel the deal in 90 minutes and say, yes, now (laughs) she's well, she's recovered. Look, there's the kiss, there's the sunset, there's a happy kid. You know, I had to let go of that kind of movie thing that was that's in my mind, I mean, that was even very true. All through it, all through it, as we have these expectations and associations of what pain and struggle is going to feel like. We expect there to be relief in certain ways, or certain people are going to step up. No, it it there's no there's nothing movie like about the experiences. It's very personal. It's very um, it takes everything we have to make it through these experiences. But there's this tremendous opportunity here too, and I, I have to say that my son was amazing teacher for me because I would be here. We were both in the same boat, and I would be in my story. Oh, pain, fear, what's going to happen? You know, what if I get this bacteria? Blah blah blah. And there he was, uh, in his bandages, dancing to music. <laughs> and I would say, Where? and I would say to my son, no, look at this. You're in the same boat. He has no story about this. You have a story about this,
0: right? Right.
1: What are you willing to do to what? How how much do you have to wake up to get out of that suffering story so you can dance? What's the difference between you and that dance in your mind? And those were the kind of conversations that really helped me to overcome my own struggles were the stories that I was carrying with me and those stories were from the back from from before not just the accident sure making stories. these were things that I was as I said these are the little stories and the narratives that went into full bloom once the accident happened so I have to be honest yep I had a theme about you know I had a theme of low self-esteem maybe you had a theme about feeling like a failure well here it was in full bloom right and I had to deal with it, and so it it was powerful, and it was perfect, I mean, if we can get to that point where we can say our trauma, or the thing that happened to us is powerful in the way that it affected us, but that it's perfect, because we are stronger than it, than the lesson, than the thing that we, that it impacts us, we're stronger than it, we can come through it, and I know that because this was an accident, I had there are certain places psychologically and emotionally that I didn't have to deal with that some other people have to deal with in trauma. When somebody else has hurt you, a parent, a family member, a partner, right. if they physically abuse you, there's a whole other layer of stuff that you have to deal with. Um, and again, it takes courage to pierce the illusions that will keep us down. And they're painful. Some of them are very, very painful. Yes, my father hurt me. You know, they abused me. They, they, uh, ripped me apart. How, how can I, how can I get through that? Well, because you are bigger than that. That experience with your father, and to dig through all of that pain and hurt, and to find you, and the, the power of you, the brilliance of you, it takes. Tremendous, tremendous courage and tremendous will to come home. It has to be bigger than the story of or the experience of the trauma to come home, because we are amazing, brilliant, uh, and we have to do it for us. We have to, because otherwise, otherwise, it's just it's just suffering, isn't it?
0: It if sure we is. If stay
1: in that story, no matter who did it to us or how it happened, if we don't transcend that, if we don't seek to transcend it, if we don't seek to question it from all angles, then we just stay in the suffering, and that's no good for us or them or anyone.
0: No, and, it's not. And and not and, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> and I was going to say yeah, that but, as you yeah. as you learn to let go of those stories... And, and create a new chapter and those new stories. Uh, it, it's such a liberating and wonderful place to be. But even mm-hmm. in that place, I know that there can be post-traumatic setbacks. And I, and mm-hmm. many of our listeners have had them. They've, they've been going along really well. They've figured yeah. out what works for them. And then all of a yeah. sudden, bam, they're right back in that moment. How do you suggest yeah. that... Um, that our listeners begin to overcome those setbacks?
1: Such a great question, and thank you for being so thoughtful in that way. And it really shows to me that you have a listening and an understanding of, of this theme. Um, the setbacks are going to happen, they will. And that's just part of, of knowing yourself. And that's what I was saying at the beginning about having that grieving that I have on you know, that one year of, of, of the stuff that I've lost, the places that I'm not gonna feel whole yet. It's okay, the setbacks, if we know that they may come at some point and we don't know when, it won't be like the rug being pulled out from under our feet. We know that the, you know if there's an electrical storm, there may be a power shortage that happens. So we get the candles ready. We know that there's a thing that we do when we have a setback, right? So there's a plan. You know, just like how people talk about having your emergency kit. Sure. Emergencies don't happen, but you have it. You have your candles. You have your um, canned food. You have certain things in place. It's not going to be like normal, but you have those things. For instance, for me, when I experience a setback or I feel myself kind of spiraling down, uh, it could be it could be just like a, 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 a something a thought, and then another thought, and then before I know it, I'm down is that I, I just say to myself, I'm here. I'm in this spiral right now. This, I'm experiencing a setback. Remember, Najee, we talked about this. We talked about this, that this could happen, and it's happening. So what do we do in this situation? Well, the first thing that I usually will do is that I, when I'm in a, in a setback, I want to feel safe. That's the first and foremost important thing to me in that moment, is to feel safe. And so I will go have a bath, even if it's in the middle of the day or the middle of the night, I will do something to feel warm and enclosed and safe. So bathroom for me is a really safe place to kind of let go and having hot water makes me feel safe. And again, it will bring the blood to the extremities and that will help me. And if people can get like a setback is one, it's an emotional thing, but we can address it through the physical.
0: That's a good point.
1: You know, that we don't have to address it to the emotional. We don't have to, like, make ourselves feel better by talking or, you know, if it helps, it's great. But there's another avenue which is pretty direct and it's pretty immediate, which is how can I get the blood to the periphery of my body so that my body begins to calm down? If my body feels safe, that chasing scary feeling is going to subside. And then I'm going to have a moment to think clearly. And so then we begin to engage the mind. And once we begin to engage the mind, the mind can speak very clearly to the emotions and the emotions are comforted. And then your spirit feels safe to come back. Because when we go into a setback, what happens is, boom, if it's a trigger. Your spirit leaves, it goes out of your body. Physical body goes into lockdown, goes into like survival mode. Mind is trying to figure out what's safe, how to get to safety. So all of these kind of like safety protocols happen. And so the way to move through that is first, how can I make my body feel safe? What may, And for so each person has to know if they're having a setback, fundamentally they first and foremost have to make their body feel safe. Whatever that is. If, the, if you're at a party and you're triggered, go back to your car. That's what I do. I would right. go back to my car, turn on the heat, and just sit there. And I don't know if you know this technique, um, Shan, but one of the things that I learned from working with my osteopath after the accident was that my body never got to uh, run away from the scene I, because I had a son. And so my animal instinct in such a situation would be to run, sure. find a hole, find safety, and then shiver, right? To just mm-hmm. release all that adrenaline. I didn't get to do that. So my body. In the first few years, was locked in carrying that energy, right? And so, one of the things he had me do was visualize running from that from that scene, and running, 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 and then and then finding a hole and just kind of going through the motions of what I would have done, right? And it was so amazing. And so, one thing that if, if somebody has a setback is to go through that process of finding a place of safety so you can visualize running and moving your body like you're running, 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 getting to safety because your body's triggered and it wants to go to safety. So by physically moving that, and then the second step of that is shivering or shaking, releasing all that excess energy. So if you're at a party and you have a setback and you're triggered, go find a place where you can go do that, where you can go do that running motion, run, 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 shiver, shiver, shiver 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 shake it loose shake it loose and guess what that's what you've done by doing that again you've moved the blood to the periphery
0: right right
1: and then you can breathe and then you relax and then you calm down
0: so here yeah. we are here we are all these <laughs> all these years later and and really not it this did not happen that long ago you know it probably no, on, no. on some days it probably feels like just yesterday and other days you probably feel like oh we're yeah. you know we're in a good it's,
1: space yeah it's not it's not like the physical like i'm not and, and again it's different trauma for different people then they may sure. have different reminders i'll see the scars and everything but i'm not i don't have limited motion the only thing i have to do differently is i have to cover my body and it's not such a big deal but the the main difference is my brain the brain and and what ongoing trauma can do to the brain and how the, during trauma, the right side is activation and the, the left side begins to shut down. So some of the impact of that is that things like making plans, um, time-based things, uh, logical stuff, it, it's like it's the fingerprint of that or the ability of that becomes like a, a faded. It, it's, it's not as strong. I really feel that. It's not as strong. And I remember at the, in the first few years after the accident, so, some of my language skills, some of my memory skills were really, really kind of um, losing their, their, their clarity, their ability to be able to be focused. That was thing, really focused, planning, being able to, to think about, okay, I want to do this, making plans for it, following it, following it through. That was, that, being, that was really diminished.
0: And that's come and so that's come back since then for you and through practice.
1: You know, it's, uh, I wouldn't say I'm not saying it's come back. It's better. It's better, better. Okay. Better than it was. It's better than it was, and I would say that I am renegotiating my life so that the pressure isn't on me in the same way. Good for I you. To have to make these decisions about how I'm going to like my future. What's your five-year plan? I can't. Even, <laughs> I don't even know what five years is i really don't right i really don't know what five years is i don't know what's going to happen in 90 days i can barely make plans with people for about a week
0: you know That's i i think it, I it, this is my <laughs> this is my opinion but i i yeah. fi- i find that to be almost refreshing and and uh to be in the moment the way that you yeah. that you are uh yeah. is Is a gift.
1: Thank you, thank you. Well, it it took a while to kind of see it that way, but because for me, you know, to see contemporaries in terms in terms of my work getting way ahead and not being able to be able to do pull off workshops or pull off teleseminars or do all these things was really disheartening because I wanted to be able to do it, but I could not. Could not. Hold all that information in my head. I couldn't because there was so much other stuff in my brain that was working its way out and I couldn't do it. And so I had to just let it go. I had to let go of these grand ambitions that I had for my business and stuff. But not from a place of defeat, but just like, okay, all right, maybe there's a different way to do this life. And maybe, you know, I said to myself, now, what's really important to you? Is it, what is it that you really, really want to feel? knowing that there's all these you know, variables and, and changes in your brain and in your life, like what's really important to you, having gone through all of this. And I came to the realization that I just want to feel inner peace. Right. Even if I had millions of dollars, I would want to feel inner peace. If I had $5, I would want to feel inner peace. Right. Because if I feel peaceful inside, then I'm really in a good space. And so I started to learn to play guitar because that's what I always wanted to do. That's great. And so, so you know, I'm about to, I'm getting ready to take a pottery class because that's what I want to do. And, and so my, my focus is how do I want to feel? What am I willing to create that? And, you know, learning to play the guitar is going to help my brain because it's going to help it to learn to connect left and right because I'm doing it through music and it's, you know, moving my hands and everything. And it's, it's a fun way to do it. It's a fun way to do it. Yeah. I am excited. And in a way, the opportunity is that I've always wanted to play music, and here I am, I get to.
0: Right, right.
1: You know? Well, so you have inner peace.
0: Yeah, inner peace. Mm-hmm. And really, could there be a better gift than inner peace?
1: Yeah, exactly. and And it just really rebalanced my sense of ambition, my uh-huh. sense of, uh, needing to be someone or trying to prove it to the world or have a voice in the world, all of these things that I, I, I thought I really wanted. And I, when I really sat down and I felt things through, I thought, no, what's really important to me is inner peace. And so I allowed myself to prune these other ideas so that the call. of me could thrive now.
0: And you thrive beautifully. I I just thank you so much for making time today to share your story and all of the wonderful transparency and vulnerability. And I just know that our listeners today have, have come away with hope and I hope so. With, I hope so. Yeah, I I know that they have because I yeah. I'm just sitting here going, oh my goodness, I, what a what a gorgeous, outcome, from such a mm. such a scary scary tragic yeah. event, and yeah. and you really you really uh, the the word that keeps coming up bubbling up for me is is grace.
1: Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Well, I- I feel I feel I'm I think I'm pretty feral to be honest with you Shan but I mm. feel like I'm honest and that, that's something that I can be proud of Yeah. I don't necessarily think I always do everything in the best way or the highest way but I am honest in my experiences and I hope that that's something that the listeners will feel and that they will feel inspired to be honest in their own experiences no matter how scary or overwhelming they may be
0: how can uh, our anxiety slayer listeners get in touch with you if they want to learn more or read your blog or, or be in touch
1: yeah that, thank you so they can get a hold of me through my blog uh, my website Tender tenderlogic dot com and i do provide guidance and counseling to to people i have wonderful programs that i can do with them to help them through these kinds of very personal journeys and challenges in a way that's honest for them and encourages them to find their own way to their truth and their own inner peace so i would love to hear from them and if anybody has a question i would like to Um, just have a half-hour conversation with me. I would love to hear from them. Mm.
0: Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure connecting with you again and a deep honor to hear your story. And thank you.
1: Thank you so much, Shan. I appreciate you so much.
0: Are you ready to take action against your anxiety? Enroll in the Anxiety Slayer Academy now and you can get started today. Visit anxietyslayer.com forward slash support.